This is food. This is beans. Soho. Adrian. Last Night in Soho. The film by Edgar Wright. This is on a closer look episode for Last Night in Soho. And uh, in this A Closer Look, and I just got to make this as clear as possible because there's a lot to spoil in this movie, mm-hmm. we will be spoiling the film. So if you haven't seen Last Night in Soho, do not listen to this episode unless you want to punish yourself and not you know, watch the film, which is worth watching instead of listening to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you have watched it, if you have watched the movie, then listen to this podcast and uh, you know, write into us about your opinion on it perhaps. That would be kind of cool. But regardless, Adrian, Last Night in Soho, what did you think of the movie by Edgar Wright? I uh, I really like this movie, Simon. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I mentioned on the main show that it's it's wholly unique. It's a very different horror movie. Um, and, but although it's very different from everything that Edgar Wright has also made before it, that you can still see his style in, in this movie. It's very stylized. And goddamn, uh, I really liked it. I, I, I had a very entertaining time going through this. It's a... Uh, it's a thrilling movie and it's terrifying in in very different ways from your like typical horror movies uh like a uh like a halloween movie that i that i also watched um this week um but yeah again i think it's i think it's really great i really really like this movie uh what about you simon what did you think of it yeah as i mentioned on episode 70 of Split focus film and tv podcast i loved it i thought it was amazing and i think that uh, there's only one gripe I really had with it, but other than that, the it's got a fantastic soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love the use of the record player. Uh, I love the performances from Thomas and Mackenzie as Ellie and uh, Anya Taylor Joy as Sandy and mm-hmm. uh, Diana Rigg as Sandy. Oh, our oh. first spoiler for the closer look episode. Matt Smith did a great job. Terrence Stamp as that uh, old old fella, mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay as he's actually named, and Michael Ajayo. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right, but he plays John, and I've never seen him in anything else that I recall. Maybe you have? No, not that I could uh, pick up on. He did a really good job too, and it was really interesting to see his uh, character play off of Ellie, and it was nice and refreshing to see him be such a good character and such a good guy because mm-hmm. of what we were surrounded with throughout the rest of the movie. It's such a such a dark movie in the in the the topics it it carries, like mm-hmm. the like. The, the ideas of like prostitution and like kind of forced prostitution, almost rape in some capacity. And it's, it's very, very dark uh, with Anya Taylor Joy's Sandy character. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, it was, it, again, the, the refreshing contrast that John is, um, is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Even like in comparison to the rest of her classmates, like everyone else is just so mean to her, like, and, and her roommate is just such a bitch, like throughout the movie and just like, I think me and you laughed a couple times, like the way she always like tries to outdo, like it's like a like the the oppression Olympics or whatever you, it's called, you know, like the pain, like these mental things that happen to her, these awful things that happen to her are worse than whatever um, Ellie's going through. And again, like I just, it, it's so frustrating. I hate like you know watching bullies in movies where I'm like, I just want to beat the shit out of these people. And yeah, I agree with you. He is such a refreshing addition uh, to the movie. He. He adds like a lot of levity in in really important moments, uh, which again give I think like the viewer a brief moment of like, oh, okay, I can like calm down for a bit there. Um, but uh, I'm actually very curious, Simon. Like, what scene were you talking about? That's a plot hole because I, I think 
Is it the scene when she's in the library and she almost stabs the bully in the eye with this pair of scissors? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. On episode 70, I mentioned that that to me is arguably a plot hole. And the reason why I believe that, and this is the problem with this scene, it, it, it's such a problem that again, after that moment for about five to 10 minutes of the film, I was kind of doubting whether I liked Last Night in Soho. There's nothing that bothers me more than a plot hole. Mm-hmm. As uh, if you've been listening to Spill Focus of Film and TV podcast for the last 70 episodes, you'd realize. Mm-hmm. Um, but this specifically specific scene is a problem because she was so close to killing the bully. Mm-hmm. But Ellie is played off to be this good person. And the issue with this is that that would make her psychotic and that she would need mental help. She'd have to go to a mental hospital Mm -hmm. to be treated in order to live in society safely. The reason why it's an issue even at the end of the movie is because at the end of the whole thing, they solve the problem, whatever, they catch Sandy, Mm -hmm. you know, in the act of murdering more people. And um, in the end... It seems like they're just going on with their lives. Ellie is going on with her life. Mm -hmm. I understand why Ellie was going through all of this kind of mental anguish Yeah, um, in this particular uh, situation because she was living literally above and around or sorry, in the middle of bodies that were like literally in the walls and in the the floor. Mm -hmm. So those spirits were hanging around that area. So that's why she can see these ghosts and it makes sense that she would be kind of thrown asunder like her brain was like being torn apart by this craziness of these ghosts haunting her that kind of made sense in this aspect and you can maybe play it off like okay so this probably won't happen again it's unlikely she's going to stay in a house in which literal ghosts uh, literal bodies are, are below the floorboards but at the same time you don't know what's going to happen next and let's say john and her you know get serious they get married john's gonna die adrian Mm-hmm. John's gonna die. It doesn't matter what's gonna end up happening. Uh, he's gonna get, you know, stabbed with a with a knife by accident. He could have even died during like the 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 faux sex scene. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. Yeah, because it, you know, she could have snapped out of it, and it turns out she was actually holding a knife and she stabbed John, who was, you know, trying to have sex with her. Yeah, like, consensually, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a key point. Yeah. Although you did, everyone watched the movie theoretically. That's hopefully. watching or listening to our a closer look. So hopefully they they knew that. But um, so the, the the idea is, I was actually worried there at that moment. I'm like, oh, she's gonna kill John right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought in that scene. Yeah, me too. But that's the beauty of that not having happened, and it didn't even get close. And that's the beauty of it is that Ellie's such a good person, so grounded in a lot of ways that she kind of keeps her self control intact. Almost throughout the entire movie until the moment when she's carrying a pair of shears. When I saw her carrying the shears to the library, I was literally scared because I'm like, they're going to ruin this movie for me. Mm. I thought she was just going to kill the person and then she was going to somehow get away with it. It would have changed the movie and the fabric of the of the film completely yeah. based on that narrative. And again, I just don't buy it still. It redeemed itself a little bit because she ended up solving a massive murder from the 60s. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess people forgot the fact that she tried to kill her past roommate. It doesn't still work, though. It Mm kind of works because of the way the movie ends. I'm not a fan of it, though, because, again, I think it it just begs the question of how how long before she kills someone. Exactly. So, like, I'm actually in a slight disagreement with you. Like, I I didn't mind the scene where she was about to, like, stab – uh, her bully with the shears. Like I thought that scene made sense in the context of the movie. Cause she's like, Ooh. it seems like her mind is slowly degrading and she's becoming more and more terrified and, 
and, and crazy throughout the movie. So like that scene didn't bother me, but it's because of that scene where, although I really love the ending where I'm just kind of like, there's a, like a level of, you have to have a suspension of disbelief in the sense that like, she just kind of got away with it. Like knowing that bully character, you don't see her too much, but throughout the entire movie, she's a total bitch. Just like an asshole treats her like shit. I don't think she would have just been okay with almost being stabbed in the face with scissors by this girl that she doesn't like and just kind of brush it off and not press any charges. It's literally attempted murder. And that was my only issue with the movie, like big issue. I don't mind the scene where she does it or or almost does it. I just mind that it just kind of gets brushed under the rug. It's like, yeah, okay, you solved. But think about it though. What, what do you do to avoid that? Like, what do you mean? Like you don't, you like the scene, but you don't like the fact that they brushed it under the rug. Like what would you do? The movie would have been changed completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I agree with you. I don't know what I would have done differently. Don't do it. That's yeah, the that's the solution. It's just don't do that scene. Like what my my issue with that you're kind of saying that we're not on the same page, but my issue with that scene is the fact that the movie's changed at that point. Mm. There's no you can't come back from that. It's it's already done. Cuz again, they hate each other. Jacosta just doesn't like Ellie at all. Mm-hmm. So like there's nothing you can do in that case. Like I I also don't like it as much because it feels like she's going to lose self-control in the in the future and I kind of like the idea of her character being in control. I don't understand why now she lost control. You're saying it's just got to the brink. It's mm-hmm. it's, at the, it's at the brink. But it's like, if you're at the brink though, then John can't be an idiot. He's got to take her to a mental hospital. Yeah. It, that's the, it's just, there's no way out of that situation. And she's not managing is basically what I'm saying. Well, it's it's yeah. a very sad story because she's not managing. And well, yeah, that's, jo- the, that's the issue. Yeah. John comes off as a little naive because of that as well, which is a, uh- like a little unfortunate. He does, and the, the yeah. weird thing is, he does. He didn't throughout the uh, like mm-hmm. the first bit of the movie. Like throughout the movie until that moment, he's not really naive. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like he's just a nice guy, and he really cares about people, and he yeah. really cares about Ellie specifically, and that's why he's so refreshing. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think we kind of are on the same page on this. I'm not. I'm not may, I don't know. You disagreed with me, but I'm not sure on what regard. But like, uh, like I, I could see her doing that. Whereas you don't think her character would do that is, is what I took from your statement. Well, you can't do it and come, the movie is fabric, fabrically changed. Like you can't do that. And then the movie can't end in a happy ending. It's not possible. Yeah. I, I, I'm saying that I don't want that to happen. If I was writing the movie, I wouldn't put that in just for tension. Cause that's basically what that was put in for. Mm-hmm. There's no other benefit like on a plot perspective other than that's, not really plot convenience and almost plot convenience in a way. Cause you're just writing that in so that it makes, makes it feel like even more tension. Like, Oh wow. We were just on the brink of having a murder by Ellie. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. That's so, that's so crazy. It's like, no, that's not so crazy. That would have literally changed everything. She would have been after she solved that potential murder after Sandy was caught and thrown in jail or burned alive, whatever. Uh, after they discover this whole big serial killer plot, they would have thrown her into a mm-hmm. mental institution and they would have had to treat her and it wasn't treated that way. She's just like, she's on the, the next scene is she's at the runway and she's witnessing her great creations walking down the runway and she's being applauded. And even Jocasta's friends come up and say, oh, wow, you're such an inspiration. Meanwhile, Jocasta almost died. And I almost felt weirdly, I'm like, I feel bad for Jocasta. Like, why do I feel bad for her? She sucks. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is not what you want us to feel. So I'm not sure that it didn't, it's the only purpose that that scene served was to create tension that was unnecessary. 
what you could do is maybe throw up, I, I thought, of the in the library, of course, they're all fashion students. So maybe she stabs one of the fashion students' dummies by accident. Or she's just not carrying scissors and she just escapes. Why, why does it have to be that scene? I just don't see the purpose. Mm. It just doesn't make as much I like the happy ending, actually. I don't know about you, but I don't think there could be a happy ending with the scissors, but I think that I, I enjoyed the fact that there is a happy ending. It's better that way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But did you want it to, her to be in a mental institution at the end? Is that what you're kind of saying? Like, put the scissors in, but throw her into, like, you know, end it differently? Yeah, like, that. that's what literally I was expecting. I didn't expect it to be a happy oh. ending. Once that scene happened, I was like, oh, it's all over for her. And oh, again, the movie kind of progresses from there. And then it's like, that, again, like my issue was, is that the ending was a little bit like it was a happy ending, which to me just didn't oh. make sense in the context of what happened before it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's a different perspective. I like the happy ending because I, I think that it plays really well, especially with the music again, just routing it back. Mm. Um, because it's a horror, but it's almost not a horror. And it's, 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 it's an interesting mashup of things. Mm-hmm. Um, tonally, it's trying to sell this idea of Ellie having this great career ahead of her. She's got so much potential. And I think that with the happiness and the upbeatedness of the music and everything like that and the style, I think tonally, it would have been completely changed if they had gone for a tragic ending. But yeah, to move away from that, that's my big gripe. That, that literally is Mine the only too. thing that was like, I couldn't believe it though. I was like, I was, again, I'm still kind of shocked. It, it almost still is a plot hole, no matter what you, how you shake it, just because of the way yeah. it ends. But um, other than that, like one thing we didn't talk about in episode 70 in much detail is the mirror, the mirror visual oh. effects and how well it's done with Anya Joy. And not only in, in a, like a literal sense, like there's literally a mirror between Anya Joy and Thomas McKenzie's um, like Ellie and Sandy, mm. but there's literally they're mirroring each other in a way that you kind of do in drama class, and yeah. they're doing it so perfectly and so well. And the use of mirrors in various scenes, in various scenes in London, brilliantly done in so many ways. And like the 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 stuff where again, Thomas McKenzie's looking up at the ceiling and she's seeing a scene like kind of mirroring what she's seeing. Like for instance, the the sex scene with with John that didn't yeah. happen. So good. All across the board, and the choreograph, the the chore- choreography, the choreography yeah. for um for the dance sequence um as well with uh when they were switching from Thomas McKenzie to Anya Anya Taylor Joy and the way that was yeah, shot, yeah, with Matt Smith, yeah, it's, it's exactly it, so good. Yeah, I know it's it's done so smoothly and like it's yeah again this is a masterpiece when it comes to that sort of stuff. Again, like uh, Edgar Wright has a vision and he freaking crushed it. And again, um he has like such a definitive style that I don't know why, but it just, it, it really translated well into like a horror movie structure. Um, and yeah, like, again, like you're talking about the mirrors, the mirrors. I was so it's, I feel like you could watch this movie again and pay attention to different things and see different things going on. Cause again, like a lot of the time, Lindsay's a good example mm -hmm. for sure. Cause there's a lot of lines that Lindsay has in the movie and you, you kind of assume he's Jack, the old man is Jack the whole time, but it turns out he's Lindsay. I think that that part, if you watch that over again, kind of like watching the prestige over again, you notice a lot more Mm -hmm. the second time. Yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, like I thought that was a fairly interesting twist. I I know you mentioned in the trailer, like that, that final trailer where um, I watched that there, that played before Halloween kills for me. And I was like, God damn, I wish I didn't see that because it felt like it showed 
that Lindsay was actually Jack in that final trailer. Like it really hinted towards right. it. So it was a pleasant surprise when that didn't happen. And then, cause I was a red little bit herring. Worried. Yeah. I was, I was sitting there. A perfectly placed red herring. Yeah. I was sitting there. I was like, Oh man, do I already know like the big twist of this movie? And God damn, did I not know the big twist of this movie? Like that's like, not only did they yeah do a red herring and it was wrong. Like it's to- something totally different. So that twist on its own, I was surprised. But from that point on, where the movie progresses and how wild it gets is just, it's so good, man. And again, the twist with, um, you know, uh, her, her landlord, I guess, uh, being Sandy in it, it was, was, I did not see that coming. There's the scene where there's, uh, where she, you know, is telling her, um, like Thomas McKenzie's Ellie is telling her that, yeah, like, you know, I'm sorry. Like I need to leave, blah, 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 blah. Um, and she's like, Oh, like here, here's some letters. Uh, I think one of these are your letters and she's going through it. And real quick, you see Alexandra uh, Connolly or something like that. And I saw that. And I was like, Collins, holy fucking shit. Collins. Sorry. And I saw that. and I was like, holy fucking shit. I was like, it's her. Like she's still alive. She never died. And then lo and behold, like a minute later, it's revealed. That's the thing. And I was like, wow it was so brilliantly done that it like let you figure it out just before ellie figures it out and uh again like i think the pacing in this movie is is so damn good especially that ending there where it builds up so quick and it's just the way the building like is slowly burning down and all these you know i guess corpses that are in the wall are like cooking and and the scene where, you know, I guess Sandy is just sitting on the bed while the entire room is engulfed in flames. And, you know, it switches to Anya Taylor-Joy briefly. I'm, It's beautiful. Like, it's it's a genuinely beautiful shot. It's weird, and I, I hate to bring this up again, but it's – the ending of the movie, I still was thinking about the fact that this, even if she gets out of this, she's still going to have to go to a mental hospital. And, that, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it's funny. I was thinking about that moment where she's crawling through her bedroom to get to the phone. And she's yeah. being stopped. And I'm like, this is just such a waste. Of, it was like, why are these things wasting so much time? She's helping them. And I, mm. I was I was very confused there. And I was like, it, it felt more of a waste of time because of the damn scissor scene. I can't stress <laughs> enough how annoying it is that that was chosen. And I, I, I yeah, ah, God, it's too yeah. bad. But I, I was almost expecting that, uh, you know, like after she gets out of the house that like maybe she was just going to be shot by the cops or something or or arrested immediately. And like maybe she was going to be charged for the murder and burning down the house and stuff like that. Because uh, like well, it, they it, got bodies in there. You can find the bodies and all the yeah, because teeth, teeth don't get burnt up that easily. That's true. But the interesting too, like that scene with the Diana Rigg who play is also mm-hmm. playing Sandy. Um, I actually it's weird. I did kind of question whether Sandy was Diana Rigg. Like Mrs. Collins was Sandy. I, I thought about it in the beginning of the movie. But then when they show the fact that Anya Taylor-Joy dies, I was like, oh, no, yeah. that's not true. It's funny. They, they He throws you for a loop on purpose in very, very masterful ways. And that whole scene where they're sitting across from each other having tea and Diana Rigg is so calmly confessing to murder – I, I, it's just so brilliant and so tense. But the greatest thing about it is the fact that they set up the fact that when Thomas and Mackenzie's Ellie gets out of the car, she says, if I don't come out, come in in 15 minutes mm-hmm. and to, to John. And that's great. I was like, that, it's just a good setup because you know he's coming. So it's like, hopefully he's coming soon. Hopefully he's coming soon. And then as soon as he rings the doorbell, 
she grabs a knife to go answer the door like diana riggs sandy Mm -hmm. it's just again the the tension in that scene was just so amazing you know she's been poisoned it's just like oh there's just so many amazing elements in that moment and that the letter was also incredible too like seeing alexandra collins is her name um it's it's so amazing because she you know she's never seen a last name this entire time and she's literally searching for this woman's name for like i don't know 10 minutes uh, in the my favorite scene, the library scene. Yeah. <laughs> so it's again, it's just so well put together, and, and um, again, that's why we really didn't want to talk about this movie on a regular podcast. We we definitely weren't going to spoil it, uh, and there's just so many amazing twists and turns that it's it's really fun to talk about because it's so well so well written. Yeah, and honestly, like the use of the lighting throughout the film, like where it's that that like you know neon red yes and blue yes switching back and forth really adds to like this almost eerie like kind of terrifying like like feeling to the movie and and that's like whenever that goes on it's kind of the differentiating like factor where it's like okay she's in she's in like her dream world she's back in the 60s that's what she's experiencing right now and again it's it, it's brilliantly done that what do you, you mean, always, like when they use certain colors, or yeah, exactly, yeah, like when they're using like neon red and blue. That's when you know, like the switch is happening, or that she's now in the '60s and all of that stuff. Like n- I was never confused as to where she was at the time. I think when it's I, only red, she's in the '60s. When it was red and blue, she's in mm-hmm. present day. Yeah, like I when she's like mistaken. Going I, to bed. I'd have to watch it over to know, unless yeah. you really have a good grasp on it. But it felt like when it was consistently red. Which didn't make any sense because there's a bistro sign outside her window. Mm-hmm. So when it was yeah. consistently red, it was I'm fairly certain that it was the Might 60s. be right. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't maybe I'm wrong though, because I was trying to pay attention to that at one point. It was like, oh, it's only red right now. And it was some specific scene. And I was like, why is it only red? I'm like, oh, maybe they're he's trying to show, Wright's trying to show specifically that red is the 60s and then blue and yeah. red when the bistro sign is just I think it had a green in as well, if I'm not mistaken. It's, uh, blue, sign. red, and white. I think. Oh, it's white. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, just kind of how it adjusts. Like ne- never in the movie was I confused as to like where we were and what was happening because yeah, I guess that use of color. I was. Just, I don't know. It just tricked, it tricks. I was them. always confused. Oh, really? I think that's one of the most brilliant parts of the movie as well. Mm. You don't know when she's in reality necessarily. And that's what's so, there was, a, I had a couple of jump scares where I wasn't quite sure she was awake. And that's one of the great, again, one of the great things about the film I, I find is that you you often know whether she's in reality or in the 60s, but sometimes you just don't know. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, um, Matt Smith comes to the door as Jack. He, he comes to the door and he rings the doorbell and you think, I'm like, oh, John must be at the door. And she answers the door to the house and it turns out it's Jack and she's now in the 60s. There's mm-hmm. many of those switches and the transitions between the 1960s and present day are done so seamlessly. It's so brilliant. Good. Yeah. But Sometimes you don't know. You're, you're kind of questioning whether it's going to switch or not at, at certain points. You kind of know when she's going home. Yeah. That she's probably going to switch at some point, but you don't know when exactly. And there's so many different variations of a switch of time period. Yeah, I think it's – yeah, it's very deliberately done, um, which I, I think is which I think is fantastic. Like I guess like you when, – when Edgar Wright wants you to know where they are, you know. And in the, like the brief scenes where – I feel like the scenes – that you don't know as the viewer at least is usually when Ellie doesn't necessarily know if she's awake or not. 
Um, at least for me, like I, I know the scene you're talking about with the transition where you open the door and you know Jack's there. Uh, I picked up on that. Like I knew that was coming because again, I think the lighting uh, changes accordingly. But yeah, it's it is very well done. I think a lot of this movie, again, what Edgar Wright does so well in so many of his films is those transitions or are those transitions um, and those like quick switches without you really realizing it. Um, and yeah, again, you mentioned the music on episode 70 as well. And yeah, the music just fits this movie so well too. It's so good. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's again, very well planned out. And it's, it's crazy when you're going through the credits, like viewing the credits, there's so many different songs that he uses mm-hmm. as he does in every movie he makes. Um, so yeah. yeah, actually shout out to the credits themselves. Like I really like the credit scene where, it, you know, like it, it shows the blanks, you know, the, the, the screen with like people's names and like their roles. And then it just shows a street in London. Again, I feel like yeah, it's a street in Soho. I, I imagine yeah. that every I'm guessing I'm not that familiar with London, but I'm imagining that every one of those shots, like really nice street shots, they were all taken in Soho mm-hmm. in London. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel like uh, Soho is a character in the movie as well. Like it, it's it's very important to the movie. And again, it adds so much to it. And I don't know. It, I feel like I know those streets, if that makes sense, like the way he the way it's stylized and everything like that. I'm just like, I, it feels so real that world and everything. And I think uh, I, I've, I think I mentioned before, like I'm not a huge fan of period pieces, but the way this is done is just so good. Again, I, I really did love this movie. And the more I thought about it last night after we left the theater, the more I started liking it more and more. And yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. I, uh, yeah, I do. I do appreciate it quite yeah. a bit. The sixties aesthetic is just so cool as well. Everyone just Hey, you gotta watch Mad Men now. Yeah. Everyone just yeah, I kinda wanna watch that. I know it's so good. Like I, I might watch it eventually. Um but yeah, again, like everyone's just smoking cigarettes and like the cigarettes are the coolest thing. And honestly, it's funny because yeah, everyone's smoking cigarettes and a cigarette is what causes the building to burn down um, at the end of the movie. Like it, it goes into like a like those tape uh, sorry, those um records. And the records like laying on fire. I'm like, God, like every, everything is so deliberate throughout this film. And ah, oh, man, I, I really, really love this one, man. Indeed. Yeah. It's uh, it's fantastic. And uh shout out to Diana Rigg. You know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen, I don't know if I've seen that many movies or TV shows with Diana Rigg, but of course she's in game of Thrones as Elena Tyrell. And I was like, I couldn't place where I'd seen her recently. And that was the most recent moment that I, I've seen her. And unfortunately she passed away. Yeah, so that, that was year. the, dedication to to her at the either at the beginning might have been at the end of the film um during the credits yeah. but yeah she was amazing in this honestly something very haunting about that again that last scene when she confesses is so good as we said before but anyway yeah that's awesome adrian anything else you'd like to add about the last night in soho mm. before we wrap this guy up um no i think uh I think I really like covered everything that I want to say. I'm sure there's going to be other things that I think of. I'm like, damn, I wish I talked about that. But I really did love this movie. I think it's awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, if you haven't watched the movie and you listen to this episode, why? Why? Yeah, it's ruined now. And it's not our fault. I think we had a pretty good disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really do think, again, the floodgates are open. This guy, Edgar Wright, he can just do anything. And I feel like you could always potentially do anything, but he just he wasn't necessarily doing as as broad of uh, he wasn't doing as broad of like the films in terms of other genres as he mm-hmm. as he is now. So I'm excited to see what he does next. I have no idea what it's going to be, but um, mm-hmm. we shall see. Adrian, 
thank you for joining me for this A Closer Look episode. And uh, I hope our listeners have a great day. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. Take care.